Hello, I'm Maha Khan Phillips, editor of Professional Investor at CFA UK. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is a show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I am delighted to be joined by Sue Asprey-Price. Sue sits on the Work Dynamics Global Executive Board and leads the Work Dynamics business for JLL and EMEA. She and her team are focused on helping businesses adapt to the changing workplace. At a time when the workplace is evolving so significantly, the range of services the team offers has increased to include everything from workplace strategy and design to transaction and account management. A huge supporter of building diverse working environments, Sue is a regular panelist at industry events. She is also a board member for the charity London Youth and a former Canadian rugby international. And while I'd love to talk to Sue about the world of rugby, we're actually here to discuss how the changing workplace environment is affecting businesses and employees alike. So welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Maha. It's delighted to be here. I wanted to start actually with the question of COVID. It's so profoundly changed the way we work. And yet we're seeing, interestingly, particularly now in the press, the sort of backlash that's happening. Um, Today was interesting because I noted two stories this morning, one about James Dyson talking about innovation being crippled when people work from home or work remotely. And then, of course, on the more extreme side, there was Elon Musk on Twitter putting beds into the office so that people could sleep there. Um, and, and employees had taken all these photos of these secret beds. But how profoundly you know, has COVID shifted the landscape and what's happening? Our businesses, what are the challenges that businesses are facing that are now sort of requiring them to say people need to come in more often? Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting dynamic that we're seeing play out, Maya. And really, you know, what we're absolutely uh, finding is that the hybrid work model is is the new norm. It is the thing that companies are working to where they can focus on having a, a level of flexibility, remote working, home working. But there's definitely a desire to get people back into the office. Now, I think we have to be careful that when people hear the term come back to the office that they think of five days a week and commuting in on trains Monday to Friday. That is not what that means. It's very much so that organizations are recognizing that certain functions and tasks are actually better done in the office. Um, and, And similar to what James Dyson said, you know, that innovation, new thinking and collaboration, what we certainly are finding is that when companies create experiences and environments that allow people to do that, he's absolutely right. We're seeing a higher level of output and seeing uh, more product, uh, you know, productive outcomes from those. However, the other thing that we're seeing and why companies are driving for this is actually the well-being and the connectivity of employees is improving when they come back into the office. What we saw during COVID is that first-year attrition rates were off the charts. Some companies had 27, 28% first year attrition rates during COVID. And what companies realized is that remote working, people didn't have a social aspect to work. They didn't associate with their brand. It was difficult to associate with the purpose of an organization. So companies don't want to appear to be mean by saying, get, get back into the office, but actually We now have a lot of strong evidence that demonstrate is a benefit to the individual employee for their own personal development, their own personal well-being, and and their social aspect as well. So it's a difficult balance. And you're right, the headlines 
are of huge sensitivity where companies do not want to be seen to be commanding people to come back in. And yet there's a double benefit. It's a win-win where their companies are evolving in a challenging market. And actually they know that their employees are benefiting from it as well. So I continue to really talk to organizations around really trying to find that hybrid work model that works for their company, for their teams, for the individuals, but very much so um, an engagement in an office environment is very much so deemed to be a benefit now. So hybrid models going forward, but what is the sort of generational implications for that? Are we seeing different kind of feedback and different needs for different generations? Yeah, it is. It's it's a very good question. And um, what we've seen, we actually run, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, Maya, that we, we've set up a group that is a workforce advisory group. What we realized as a real estate organization that we weren't just about the built environment, but actually real estate is partly part of the employee value proposition. Why does an employee come into an office? So we started to run something called the Workforce Barometer, which is a great tool um, that really exactly that gauges, you know, what, what are we seeing? What are the behaviors? What are the patterns that we're seeing? And interestingly, the, um, you know, I'd call it the baby boomer generation is the group that is least, um, you know, at least a level of appetite to come into the office. What we're seeing is that the younger generations, the uh, Gen Z uh, are actually now coming back into the office. And when we surveyed that generation and said, why are you doing it? A lot of it goes back to those comments I made earlier about collaborating, learning. You know, we forget that a lot of learning takes place in an office through osmosis where they listen or they're you know, on the side of something that's happening and, and really employing and, and, and really enriching their lives. Um, that's really, really difficult to do over Zoom. So that generation is coming in and we can't forget that they are a social group as well. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little story quickly about our own office. I've actually started coming in on Fridays and my hybrid uh, model that I have worked for me, I, I do sometimes work from home on Fridays. And I realized that we started to see an increase in our population coming in on Fridays. And I realized it was the younger generation and no surprises, they were going out after work and socializing with their friends from work. And I thought, this is great, you know, and, and what we found is actually that generation might be working from home on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday, but coming in on Fridays. So again, I don't think we can ever underestimate the community, the culture and the social aspect that organizations really do benefit from when their employees really feel the opportunity to do that. So I'd say leaders very much so we're seeing them come back into the office because the James Dyson model, they want to drive collaboration and innovation. Younger generations coming in, it's interestingly that kind of baby boomer where they may not be managing a big team of people that are probably the ones we're seeing the highest level of resistance from right now. Well, I guess they're the closest to retirement age as well. And let's face it, might have a more comfortable at-home work environment. You know, we've got to remember in a, a location like London, as an example, where you're maybe sharing a flat with a few people, it's a little more difficult to work from home. So I think, again, your alternative work environment, whether that be home or a remote working location, if it is more comfortable and easier to work in, then your tendency to come back in and have a long commute will be, you'll have a, a lower appetite to do that. So, uh, you know, some of those trends we're seeing aren't too surprising given where people are at stages of their life. 
And of course, there's been studies now about Gen Z in, in the workforce and, um, and and younger professionals in the workforce needing a lot more feedback than maybe perhaps previous generations. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the other thing that we find with the younger uh, workforce, which I, I think is fantastic, I, I get so excited by it, is they are more than ever really wanting to work with a company that lives their own purpose. So, you know, things like sustainability, things like supporting development, uh, attracting new types of talent into the industries that they work within. They're very passionate about that and recognizing that that's a collaborative model and that's a, a, a social community engagement model um, is something that is really powerful from that generation. I also wanted to ask you about equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, I mean, if we're going to these, if these hybrid models are the future, is it a way for employers and businesses to attract a more diverse talent? Presumably, people like caregivers will find it easier to have opportunities to work from home, for example. Yeah, I think he, absolutely it does. And and it, the interesting thing that did happen during COVID is that we saw some myth busting. We saw that certain roles that we were always told could not be done remotely, all of a sudden were done remotely and done effectively. So what that did is it allowed to bring in more models of what we call flex for your day, where actually you might come into the office, but you might come in midday or delay your timing of when you're coming in because you've got caring obligations, whatever that might mean. But you could then supplement that with going into a hybrid work model for part of the week or working from home uh, at a later hour, whatever it might be. So really accommodating your role to your lifestyle and the needs of what you need to do. That's exactly what we've seen. And again, when we say hybrid work model, it doesn't just mean you come in on Tuesday and a Thursday. It actually can mean that you just work different hours. This is where we're seeing a real big change right now, Maya, in how teams are functioning and the teamship rules, we call them, of how are they going to work together? How are they going to feel like as a team, they're getting that richness of the collaborative time together, but also at the same time, ensuring that there's a flexibility and understanding what people's needs are. It's never been discussed more in the office, which I think is fantastic, right? Because again, employee engagement, attracting employees, knowing that they have that flexibility, but also people just feel more enriched and more, you know, more uh, a, a real sense of community with their teams, which is really critical. Thank you. And when firms are thinking about this, when businesses are thinking about how they're going to create this hybrid model framework or what they're going to offer their employees, where do they start? What do they really need to think about to build a sustainable culture here? Well, I think it's some of the themes we've been talking about already. I think first and foremost, what we've seen is we almost need to retrain managers, right? Coming back, uh, they went from a world of really having line of sight of their people pre-COVID. Then we went to technology. And actually, they still had line of sight because we had Zoom, but it was in a very different environment. Having to manage both spectrums now is a bit of a challenge. And I think we've all sat in, you know, some of the first meetings that I sat in post-COVID where we had some people in the room and some people up on a screen, just little rules like recognize that there's a screen there and there's people behind it. We need you to talk to them as well. So we're really looking at how do we help managers really develop those hybrid skills and ensuring that everybody is is included um, and that everybody has a voice in those meetings. That's really, really critical. But then the second thing is around, uh, as I referred to earlier, how does a team work? How do they work together? 
what are their kind of agreed principles of the days that they do want to be in the office? What are their agreed principles around remote working days and what functions they're going to be doing when they are working remotely? All of the evidence that we have around those task-oriented functions, there's actually some great things that you should be doing at home. You know, concentration time, focused, having to create a paper or an outcome, it's actually better to do it at home. So embrace that. Don't look at it as a secondary, uh, you know, a work environment. It's actually the place to do something more productively. So getting that balance, managing the teams, ensuring that we kind of break down the old perceptions that did exist from pre-COVID and presenteeism, that's a lot of the work that organizations are doing right now. And one of the things that you guys have emphasized is avoiding the emergence of a two-tier system. Can you talk yes. about that a little bit? Yeah, it is. And and that's exactly it, is that, um, you know, the two-tiered system could be that we, we do. We see patterns that certain people and certain personas actually do like being in the office. We've got some personas and organizations that people are coming in and they're in the office five days a week. And it's because they they love it and they feel that that is the environment for them to be the most productive and social and collaborative. But what that doesn't mean is that somebody who isn't in the office as frequently has less of a role. And this goes back to really identifying where is a person most productive to do the role that they need to do on that day. Um, the other thing that we're finding uh, really interesting through this, Maya, is that different companies, we used to always look at sectors, sector verticals, you know, whether it be the banking sector, the insurance sector, that we used to see quite similar working patterns within those sectors. And actually now what we're seeing in emergence is that it's quite personal to a company, how they manage this and ensuring that they create that environment of inclusivity, but that it embraces all the different types of work. We've got some companies that have work from anywhere policies and ensuring that you don't create a two-tiered system is really, really fundamental. So definitely seeing um, individualization from a company perspective of how do companies really get hybrid to work. Uh, one thing I'll say, though, is I don't think anyone has it perfect yet <laughs> as we kind of work through what does this mean? Um, how does it, you know, some of the big global companies that we work with are seeing different patterns coming through in different geographies. So how do they manage that? These are the things that we're still working through right now. But a two-tier system is probably the worst outcome that you could have where, you know, again, that it's kind of going back to that presenteeism that if somebody is in the office, that makes them better than somebody working remotely. I mean, it's so profoundly interesting, these shifts that we're seeing. And I, I have to think just taking a step way back, um, how the office has evolved over over the years, even over, you know, like the last hundred years um, from the sort of clock watching 5 p.m., you know, man in the office, then the sort of cubicles. And there's been so much evolution. Um, if you and I were having this conversation in a decade's time, not to put you on the spot, but <laughs> what what is the next evolution of the office going to be? Or are we experiencing it now and we just haven't kind of seeing how things are going to evolve? Or I think I think we're in the middle of experiencing it right now. And you're absolutely right. You know, I've um, I've been doing workplace strategy advisory for over 15 years. And 
a lot of what we were really promoting companies to consider and adopt actually was accelerated massively by COVID. And when I say that, it was that we were promoting flexible working. We were saying there's inefficiencies in your office because it's not being used at um, the times you think it should be used. The biggest leap forward we've seen is technology. And the fact that we've seen companies adopting collaborative software, you can do your role effectively. That has made a a massive change to how people can work. The office is therefore really landing on what is its purpose now. And we've talked about a lot of those themes. Its purpose is to drive innovation, drive collaboration, brand association, living a purpose part of the employee value proposition, that's a big ask of an office. And as a result, it has to be completely regenerated. And if you think about all those things that I've just said, the type of space that we have, the location of where those offices are, you have to make the office an immersive experience now. It's like going to a, you know, a a 3D movie (laughs) where you have to go and, and an employee has to feel that connection feel that meaningfulness, ensure that being blunt, the cup of coffee at the office is nicer than the one they have at home. And they think about that when they're making their decisions of what they want to do. So that the, the setup of the office, how it's configured, you're right, the sea of desks and cubicles, that's gone. That won't ever come back. We still need desks within environments, but more collaboration space, more open space that allows people to socialize and Food is one of those key things, right? Where there's food, people congregate. And so ensuring that that type of space is engaging, is representing your brand, um, is, is a key part of the evolution of the office. And then the other thing I'd say, Maya, is sustainability. Obviously, you know, the built environment is a big part of uh, our carbon footprint and ensuring that the offices of the future really can meet that net zero carbon demand We've been doing that for a number of years, but a lot of it is behind the scenes. It's like the cooling systems in a building. We've been changing that. But bringing more to the forefront of things like circular economy, using materials, uh, using, you know, repurposing things, being part of that as your culture and your office ethos, it's now become the showroom for employees for them to say, I get it. I feel like this is something that I can do to impact the built environment, and I want to be part of that change. So really seeing that evolution continuing and evolving, but I think we're now at the at the start of kind of the next evolution of the office. Wow, so interesting. So Sue, one thing I wanted to ask you more about DEI in, was this DEI in the built environment. You guys have done a lot of work around this um, and how, you know, each uh, people need to feel in, in inclusive spaces in so many different ways. Um, how do we achieve this? I, it's a great question. And again, this goes back to almost the evolution of the office and something that I think is fantastic. And it is all about creating an inclusive environment, to your point. Um, And we've worked really hard on this as an organization because we recognize that, again, the office is part of the connection to the human being. And we've heard a lot about health and well-being, part of the agenda of employees. uh, They want their employers to consider that. And therefore, the built environment has a place to play in that. So we're starting to see things come through like neurodiverse environments, lighting systems, the colors that you use on walls that can impact people in a negative way. How do you create an environment that considers all those aspects? 
It's also things like having gender neutral toilets and having uh, areas within your office environment that people can truly bring their whole selves to work and not feel like it's something they have to hide. So we've actually created a diversity and inclusion index where we help organizations to um, really look at their workplace and see, does it meet those criteria? Similar to what we saw years ago with just health and safety. Does your office environment meet the health and safety requirements? This is going back to the, the question about the evolution of the office. This is the evolution of really connecting and creating inclusive environments. Um, and I think we've got some fantastic examples where we've seen that. And again, a greater connection to the employee, higher levels of productivity from people that can now work in an environment that they are more productive in. And on top of that, again, a purposeful recognition that these organizations care about their people, not just about how their office looks. So that's another big thing that we see being a big change in the built environment going forward. Well, that's really exciting and, and um, really great to see these innovations and people thinking in these new ways. Um, thank you, Sue. This has been a really useful and insightful discussion. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel and Apple podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maya.